Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. This is the Court Today replay on C103. And where else can we start uh, but mentioning how saddened we all were last Friday here at C103 when we heard about the death of our beloved Sean Donnellan. I'm still so emotional even talking about it. Um, I mean, for many years, he was the voice of Irish country music here on C103. And he was loved and respected uh, by so many people, especially, I think, all of us, the staff. I I was talking yesterday at the removal with some of his uh, family members. And, you know, Sean was like a kind of a father figure to uh, all of us. And he was just such a charming, nice man. He was kind. He was caring. He was the essence of a lovable rogue, as somebody in the office said this morning. Uh, He was just funny and he was just lovely to be around. You always felt safe and protected when you were in in Sean's company but it was his starring role uh, in the evening times on C103 I think that he'll be most remembered and most uh, loved for and back it was in December of uh, 2020 I really had the great honour of doing a special tribute to Sean here on the programme it was on the occasion of his uh, retirement and this morning we just want to remember some of what Sean had to say on that day for example here's what Sean had to say about his love of country music Here's from I suppose the way we were actually brought up and uh, we didn't hear enough of it on, on the uh, national radio, really. Uh, now, Ronan Collins made some difference when he came on many months ago and he's still going strong, thanks be to God. Uh, but it was great to be able to... And that's the kind of music that were going on in the dance halls of the, the era. Uh, they, they, they were all Irish, and they had to play waltzes and quick steps and a bit of this and that and the other. And uh, they were hardly ever recorded, I think, until this happened. And then, of course, Sean, in his own right, was a fine singer. And I spoke to him on that day about how he, how Jimmy Bowen, Mallow's Jimmy Bowen, got Sean to sing on the rakes of Mallow CDs. He caught up with me one time and he said, will you sing a couple of songs for us for the rakes? And I said, I will, of course. But in fact, they were recorded inside in uh, Studio Fiona, Brian O'Reilly's in, in Fermoy. 
So it was very professionally done. So did you did you grow up with music? I sort of grew up with music. Uh, more, I'd be very interested in uh, traditional music uh, because uh, the couple of members, well, the leader of the, the great Kilfin or Kaley band, even of today, would be his grandfather was a brother of my grandmother's. And on that day, we also had a recording of Sean singing with his sons. He's got his, he's passed on his love of uh, music and his talent uh, to his family. And here was, here's a clip of Sean singing with his boys. Now, so many people uh, want to share their thoughts and their memories of uh, Sean. And I know I was reading the condolences section of RIP.ie and it was just gorgeous to see so many of his listeners here to C103, people who said, you know, in the while passing on their sympathies that they never met Sean, but they felt like they knew him. There were so many people felt like they knew him uh, because, of course, he was nearly 30 years presenting that programme. But some of uh, the great Irish stars of country music want to share their thoughts. I'm joined this morning by Declan Nurney. Good morning to you, Declan. Good morning, Patricia. You'd have been, you'd have been a great uh, fan and a friend of, of our Sean. For, for many, many years. For many, many years. And uh, it was very good to hear of his part in, uh, uh, the other day, I have to say. And what impact do you feel Sean had on your own career and on the career of others? Uh, funny enough, your last sentiment there about about what you're, you've just said about him is uh, that that people who never met him uh, felt that they knew him all their lives. He had this this uh, sort of a connection with people uh, that made you feel comforted and made you feel important. That was the most uh, thing about him. Even the moment you'd walk into uh, the studio in Malio to do an interview with uh, Sean, he made you comfortable and you just felt that... Uh, uh, no matter what answer you were going to give was going to be uh, important and was going to be uh, the, the right answer. And he had this this thing about, he championed, uh, we'll say, the, the, the less, you know, he wasn't really, a ch- uh, he didn't go for the huge big stars and stuff. He, he made sure that the, the people on our level uh, got the hearing that he, he felt they needed to get in order to get the promotion and get going and, and be accepted in the music world. Yeah, I had spoken with him many times about that. He was very conscious of the platform he had here on C103 and how he could use that to promote yeah. up-and-coming stars. And when you think about it, you know, I mean, we all got into this game of, of, of legalised radio back in the early early 90s. And that was at the time when there was up-and-coming stars like yourself but it was just to get your music played so that people could find out who Declan Ernie was that's exactly it no he had he had he had that and uh, when you'd had a new song you know he just didn't play the song and uh, smoke the pipe while it was happening he, he listened to the, the sentiments of the song and he was a very very intelligent man uh, yeah, Sean yeah. Donlan he was a very knowledgeable man and uh, a very deep man uh, you know about the the well, even though it might be a simple song, there could be a very complicated uh, theory behind it's 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 uh, the the writer that wrote the song, and um, he he would he would delve into that there and make sure that all of that come out, and 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 as you say, made it important. And he had a deep, deep love of the music. He surely had, yeah, because uh, on several occasions when. Um, 
the interview would be over. He says, I'll see you later on now, maybe up in the Hazel Street or whatever. Yeah. And Lord and behold, uh, he would come in and you would see him at the bar and you would almost see several people around about him uh, actually just staring at him. Uh, he had this he had this quality a little bit like me all here in a way uh, where 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 people uh, gravitated to, to yeah. him and um, felt warmed in in his company and and knew that he was about them and knew that he cared about them. Yeah, yeah, and he had time for everybody. He was time yeah. for everybody. He was a great man. Oh, listen, Declan, we appreciate that. Thank you, and thank you for thank joining us Thank you very much, and, and to his Miguel and all his family and friends, and to everybody in County Sound today. Uh, it's a great loss and uh, I hope everybody is keeping well. Thank you. We appreciate that. Thank you, Declan. And let me go from Declan Nurney to uh, Trudy Lawler. Uh, good morning to you, Trudy. Good morning to you, Tr- Trudy, you, uh, like I said to Declan, you'd have been a great fan and a friend of Sean's as well. A great friend. And, and as you said, I suppose, Patricia, to be honest with you, when it comes to country music, presenters like Sean, they become family. They become the kind of people that if you're playing a show in the area or if you have a new single out or a new album, that you felt you could lift the phone to Sean personally and have a chat with him. And he would always bring you in on air and play the songs. And he was just so encouraging to me when I was starting out over 25 years ago when I got an opportunity to meet Sean first. Everybody in the business was talking, first of all, about the different people that were important in our industry. And Sean Donnellan's name always came up. Sean was a great man for Cork. He would know the music. He would know the scene. And he would be nice to you as well. And I remember just going into the studio uh, and, and sitting down and chatting to, to him. And he first thing he said to me was, he said, Trudy, he said, you're coming into a business, he said, but it's like a big family, he says. And I'm here at any time you want to ring, any songs you want to send in, get Billy to ring me, and I will have a chat with you and all that. So there was that support network in that area straight away from Sean Donnan. And I was at his wake last night, Patricia, and it was just unbelievable the thousands of people queuing on the streets in Fermoy waiting to commiserate with the whole family. And I met so many people in the queue, and like what you had said about people that had never got to meet Sean, but felt they knew him because he was in their kitchen, he was in their sitting room at night, he was keeping them company in their home, a lot of people living on their own. And I remember meeting this man last night and he said, I never got the opportunity, but I feel I want to be here to just say thanks to him for the hours of endless company and conversation and knowledge of music and who is playing where and who had a new single out. And I got an opportunity to meet with all his family last night and such a beautiful family, such a family that loved him so much and grandchildren and to, to just even see all the photographs of him with his, his family and his children and grandchildren, Magella, and, and all of that, it was just very, very moving night last night. And it was a testament to him as a broadcaster and as an ambassador of Irish country music, not just in Cork, but all over the country. Well said, well That's said. The that were there. And, and, and I know um, over the years, having spent so much time and, and spoken with Sean, oh my God, a dad and a granddad could not have been more proud of his children. He loved to talk about his children and what they were up to and what they were getting up to. And he, he's even, he even has, I didn't realise, but he even has great-grandchildren as well. And uh, yeah, he, he was loved by them, but by God, did he love them as well. And so they, that just, for their loss, it's, you know, their loss is just immense. It really is. And he was, I can tell you personally, uh, Trudy, he was a huge fan of yours. He really was a huge fan and, and he well, saw you as such... 
uh, a talented uh, singer and he loved whenever he got the opportunity to, to talk with you or be in your company. Um, thank you, Patricia. And just the outpouring of, of love and sadness that's in the Irish country music family with all the singers and musicians, you know, lots of them I'm sure you'll be talking to. But we've been speaking ourselves and just the great loss of a good person, yeah. a lovely man, a kind man, a man that was encouraging to everybody. And just to touch on what Declan said as well, whenever he would walk into a room, he would never go to the person that was the biggest yeah. name in yeah. the room. You know what I mean, Patricia? Yeah. He would always gravitate towards somebody that was new and would say, well, how are you getting on? How's your career? Have you a new song out? What are you doing your album? He would be so encouraging and treated everybody the same. And that's why... He is such a loss and such a sadness and our deepest condolences to all his family. Okay, well said. Thank you for that, uh, Trudy, and uh, thanks Thanks for joining us. Uh, Good morning to you. That is uh, the wonderful uh, Trudy Lawler. Just to some of your texts coming in, uh, Michael in Castletown Bear says, Patricia was with great sadness that I learned of Sean Donlan's uh, death. Many happy hours of beautiful music he gave his listeners. Always calm, always cool, so placid to listen to. He really knew how to capture and hold his listeners the gentle giant in the world of radio my deepest sympathy to all of his family and his many friends especially in C103 and his sad passing may his gentle soul rest in peace thank you for that that's Michael in Castletown Bear Mary says uh, my sympathy to Sean's family and his good friends at C103 may he rest in peace Anne says uh, Patricia I heard of the passing of Sean Donnan at the weekend on Facebook I feel so sad he was a lovely gentleman I met him first in Glenville and then I was I spoke with him on C103 a number of times and I was on a bus once where he and his partner Margiela uh, we were heading away for a weekend to Michael English I've got a photograph of both of us taken he sang in the hotel after the concert I feel so sad for Margiela and his family he will be sadly missed may he rest in peace and rest with the uh, angels Hi Patricia it is such a sad time alright with Sean's passing I always loved tuning into his show I remember you playing him singing that uh, during the interview and he had some voice alleged of the he was everybody's friend even if we didn't know him personally may Sean rest in peace thank you Sean for all the happy times you gave us that is from Jay and Francis hi Patricia your sadness is palpable this morning we were all lucky to have had Sean in our lives this on the radio was and is so recognisable and so iconic he had a gift he had the gift of the gab his love of traditional Irish and country music and support for all new artists was unstinting. When someone we love passes and the tears flow, remember, it's the love from our heart flowing from our eyes and a true tribute to the one who has passed. Sean made such a difference to people's lives and we can honestly say his life was well lived. Rest easy, Sean. Love and light and blessings. Thank you. That's from Fran in Art Patrick. OK, let me go to uh, Peter Burke. Uh, local singer who knew Sean well. Uh, good morning, Peter. Good morning, Patricia. And you would have joined us on that tribute show in, in um, yeah. a couple of years ago. Um, to remind us how you first met Sean. Um, well, I suppose, Patricia, it was 30 years ago, um, down in my local bar in Desi's Bar, just outside Mallow, and we were doing a music, uh, music session on a Tuesday night. And Sean, <clears throat> um, instantly I recognised the voice from the radio. And it sounds like a man on the radio. And I was told afterwards that it was Sean Donnellan. And I suppose I saw him every Tuesday night after that. And uh, we became <clears throat> we became great friends. Um, wonderful, wonderful man. Um, I have no idea how you, all these colleagues, yourself, and all the colleagues are feeling today because it's, 
bad time. Um, it's tough. You know, it, yeah, it's really, yeah. it's re- really, really is. Uh, yeah. It is so. And he drove you around to gigs as well, didn't he? Yeah, he yeah. drove me around to gigs. He knocked on doors and he said, "Give this man a gig." Yeah, you know. And uh, I remember one time, <laughs> um, he asked me uh, to make a recording, and at the time I had a little four-track tape recording thing, and he says, "Put something together and I'll play it next week on the radio, whatever day." And he would ring you and he said, "Look, you'll be on at quarter past or whatever," and. Uh, he was just fantastic, really, and um, you know, he was a wonderful man, and he was a great family friend, to be honest. He was, you know, my dad would come, come home from work, and he'd have a pint ready for him, and he'd know his time. He, he was just, he was just a, a, lovely, a lovely human being, and a very talented, uh, fantastic voice. Like yourself, Patricia. Yeah, <laughs> a great voice yeah. on the radio. And, uh, listen, uh, and, and you know... Wonderful. While we're all so saddened, it's uh, it's his family, you know. I mean, his beloved partner and friend, Michella. Oh I mean, God, God she's just I mean, heartbroken. And then Michella was wonderful, and his family are just fantastic. Yeah, let's the loveliest, loveliest family you could ever meet. Yeah, and let's 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 you know mention them: Paul, Stephen, Ashley, Connor, Michael, Roisin, and uh, Shane, and and the children, uh, the, and the grandchildren, and the great uh, grandchildren. They are the yeah. ones that are, are oh, really, no. really suffering. Okay. And uh, we, were, we were trying to find a song that we felt would be appropriate. And the one yes. I think that sums it up is uh, this is Liam Clancy's version of The Parting Glass. And, and uh, we play no. this uh, for Sean just to say how much we will miss him. Peter, thank you for that. Thank you so much. And thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me on the programme. Good morning to Thank you to lots of people who are sending in very kind words uh, about uh, Sean Don and they uh, really are uh, appreciated. Okay, let me uh, move on just to let you know that um, the Cork Summer Show, it is back next weekend, June 18th, Saturday, June 18th and Sunday, June 19th. And the Cork Summer Show is, of course, a family festival. We spoke about it, was it last week on the programme? They have an extensive range of activities ranging everything from show jumping to pig racing uh, this year. Uh, There's going to be live music every day and there's a kids' zone if you want to bring the children along because it is very much a family day uh, with a fun fair and if you want to find out everything that's on offer at the Cork Summer Show they've got a really good website corksummershow.com but they have very kindly given us a family which will admit two adults and two children on either days the Saturday or the Sunday to the Summer Show and we've one of those family passes to give away every day right across this week a little bit later on on the programme I will ask you a summer based question and then I'll be looking for you to either text or WhatsApp the answer will make a draw and then every day one lucky listener will pick up a family pass for their family to go along to the Cork Summer Show but the Cork Summer Show back because of course it was off because of Covid but it is back next weekend Saturday and Sunday the 18th and the 19th of June and hi to everyone I met on Friday evening in a county hall where I had a great honour of being one of the people involved involved with the Cork County Mayor's Midsummer Charity Ball Ball and it was staged on the in the reception area, ground floor of County Hall, and they turn it into a ballroom. And in my mind's eye I was trying to work out how are they going to get this open space and make it into a ballroom and I was blown away when I went in to see it. It really was uh, stunning and it was just one of those wonderful, glamorous evenings and it was terrific to be able to get all dressed up and there was just some stunning at uh, 
dresses on some of the ladies. They, they, I really was blown away by the fashion and the men looking terribly smart in their uh, black suits and their and their dicky bows. But a huge, huge thank you to the very glamorous, can I say, a mayor of Cork, Councillor Gillian Coughlin. It was a wonderful evening. But of course, outside that it was a really nice evening and a, a nice event. The main thrust of this Midsummer Charity Ball is charity and to raise money for charity and three very worthwhile charities will benefit the Irish Red Cross, their Ukrainian appeal, the wonderful Breakthrough Cancer Research and the West Cork Women Against Violence Project. So three very worthwhile charities. So hi, I met so many people. I think there was 350 people in attendance. It really was a terrific night. So hi to everybody uh, I met. OK, I need to take another quick break. I need to catch up on breaks. Going to take another quick break. And then we are back offering advice to anyone who's got a mortgage at the moment who might be slightly starting to worry and panic because, of course, there's going to be an increase in interest rates. That's up next. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. European Central Bank announced its first interest rate increase in 11 years coming in next month followed by a second increase in September. To chat about what this all means for Irish mortgage holders I'm joined by John Lowe, the money doctor. Good morning to you John. Good morning Patricia, nice to talk to you again. Well always a pleasure to talk to you. Now I suppose can you firstly explain why the need for the ECB to increase interest rates at this time? Well, last month, for instance, um, the inflation went to 7.8% uh, in, in the Eurozone uh, and, in, in fact, in Ireland. Uh, and it's the highest in 38 years. Um, and this has really essentially been all caused by, uh, in principally, the Ukrainian war, which, which is a sad thing in itself. Um, but, you know, energy costs, uh, transport costs, uh, food, everything has been affected. Uh, tourism, you name it. It's it's all you know been really really uh, badly affected so much so that uh, you know when when inflation goes up that high one of the main um, components to control it would be the interest rates and so for the first time in fourteen years um, or in fact eleven years uh, interest rates are going up uh, in the eurozone by a quarter percent next month and maybe by September another quarter percent the the main thing here is so uh, if you have a tracker mortgage my view is not to panic uh, because I think that within uh, you know a, a year if you remember 14 years ago again uh, the ECB raised the interest rates uh, a quarter percent every month for 12 consecutive months. I remember at the end that, of that well, yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, at the end of that, that year, people were screaming to get out of tracker rates. And then fortunately, when uh, you know the economies overall got so bad, the ECB decided to bring it down to zero percent. And all you were paying for was the margin of the mortgage. So there were like a couple of institutions like Danske Bank, Permanent TSB, they had offered their tracker uh, mortgage holders um, half a percent only as a margin, plus then whatever the ECB rate was. So, of course, zero percent and half a percent is half a percent. (laughs) So those people are still walking around today uh, very happy out. Now, my, my contention is that you could afford to get at least eight um, of those quarter percent uh, raises and you would still be better off staying on a tracker simply because you'll be still well under the best standard variable rate on, in the market. 
The other aspect then for those um, mortgage holders who have a standard variable rate, my advice is shop around. Now is a time to try and see if you can get a really decent fixed rate. And there are some really good ones around there, like um, Permanent TSB, ironically, have the best four-year fixed rate at 2.05%. However long that'll last, uh, you know, is anybody's guess. And is that but, what you would say, how long would you suggest fixing in for? Well, I mean, you know, at least to get over this initial hump, uh, and I, I use that very um, loosely because it, it's more than a hump. It's it's tragic, in fact. Um, but certainly the Ukrainian war is the key here. And once that has been resolved to some effect, you'll find that uh, normality to a degree, if it ever gets uh, to be normal in Ukraine, but it, it'll go worldwide. The economies of the world will, will kind of recover. At the moment, for instance, you know, when, when coronavirus hit Patricia last March year, the stock market went down 20, 30%. If you did nothing, if you didn't panic, and a lot of people unfortunately did, they took the money out and they put it into, you know, cash or, uh, you know, safe havens. But four months later, it all came back. So they missed the rebound. So the same thing is now happening where the stock market has been badly affected by the war and it is down. No, no question about that. Some people now are taking out the money and putting it into safer kind of uh, funds, safer havens. Is that right? I mean, are they going to miss the rebound? The rebound will happen some stage. Over any 10-year period, the stock market always wins out. I mean, the average uh, growth in the stock market from 1991 to 2020 was 10.72%. The current best demand account in Ireland is 0.01%, and that's before dirt tax. And the very best deposit rate, if you want safety, the NTMA, which is the National Treasury Management Agency, they have a suite of, of investments called the state savings. And the best of them is a 10-year national solidarity bond, which is, you know, you can't really, you can take it out, but you lose all the interest and the whole effect of why you would have put the money in there in the first place. But you're only going to get 10% net at the end of 10 years. If you gross that up and put it on an annual basis, that's only 1.43% per annum. And that's the very, very best deposit product that's safe that's in Ireland. Yeah, yeah. Okay, question in for you from uh, Susan in from Oi. Susan's on a three-year fixed rate, which is due to be renewed or is up next January. Now, she is intending to refix, uh, but she's wondering what the, what the new rate will be from January. What would John's advice be for her? Well, you know, the thing is that, and I presume she's not with either KBC Bank or Ulster Bank because they are moving and they're selling their mortgages to other uh, lenders and they have to, um, you know, abide by the the con- contract that's already been signed and therefore they'll honour uh, that tracker or that fixed rate till January. But then in January, if that's with another institution or even with the same institution, you're, you're subject to the vagaries of what is on offer at that time. And who knows what the what the rates will be. If, if these um, the ECB rate is going up and if the standard variable rate is going to be, don't forget, that's why I'm suggesting that if you have a standard variable rate, you should be shopping around anyway, because the banks are not confined to a quarter of a percent. So for instance, next month when the ECB raised their rate by a quarter percent, so if you're on a track of mortgage and you were say 1% uh, of a margin, now you're going to be paying 1.25. 
the banks who have the standard variable rate are not confined to that. They can decide to put in another half a percent on top of that oh, quarter percent. And, and we won't know until next month? And you won't know until the banks decide to come out with a, a, a strategy as to what they're going to do with the standard variable rates. That's why I'm saying that if you have a standard uh, variable rate, you should be looking at what you're currently paying. I mean, I think the very best standard uh, rate is 2.95 or 2. Point, yeah, 2.95. Um, so if if you're on like 3.5 or, or something of that nature, I would be shopping around anyway. And I would want to fix it anyway to try and get over uh, the next couple of years, fix it, you know, three, four four years. I'd say the very best rate is that four, four year 2.05%. Yeah. Okay. So a couple of people are asking about John's advice on switching your mortgage to another bank. Well, that's really simple. And uh, again, if if you're kind of a little bit uh, unsure about that, there are lots of, of um, you know, mortgage intermediaries, brokers who would be very happy to um, hold your hand during that whole tr- transaction. You have to have three things, Patricia. One is you have to have the loan to value. So that's 80% loan to value is the maximum that they'll give you if you're switching your mortgage. Two, you have to have the income to warrant whatever that mortgage is. Some people who took out a mortgage years ago, maybe their circumstances changed. One of the um, the, the, the the earners has, uh, you know, maybe lost a job or decided to stay at home uh, and don't have the ability now to afford the original mortgage that they took out. That's the second part. The third part is your credit history to make sure, uh, and it's essentialcreditregister.ie, and you can find out yourself uh, by emailing them with your date of birth, your address, and your name, and a few days later, you'll get a report, and that report will tell you whether you've got any blips against your name. If you, for instance, decided to miss one payment because Christmas was coming up in your car alone, and you're going to, you know, do it the following month and put in two payments, that blip is there for five years, oh. and you will you you will not get you will not get uh, any facilities because you've missed that one payment. So you need to check that out as well. So there are the three things you need to check. And then if if you're okay on all of those three, then you shop around. Then you see, first of all, what your own bank to to save legal fees, what your own bank can offer by way of a fixed rate. And if they're not that competitive, move. Don't be afraid to move. Okay, Bernard and his partner saving hard at the moment. They're hoping to go for a mortgage early next year. Will these interest rates make it harder for people to get a mortgage? Well, it will in the sense that obviously if the interest rates goes up, Patricia, there's higher repayments and the higher repayments means you need more money to warrant and justify that mortgage. That's one of the problems. So, uh, you know, that's why the banks currently, you know, they have this thing called stress testing and they put 2% onto your mortgage to see what would you be like if you had a 2% increase in your mortgage. And and that stress testing will continue. And if the rates happen to go up by 1% by next January, when this couple are looking to, to borrow, um, they'll still put a, a 2% stress test on that too. So it, it will affect um, their ability to uh, earn, uh, to, to borrow, um, because all lending is based on the ability to repay. You could have a million euro property. You could only be looking for maybe 100,000. You think you get it, no problem. If you can't prove that you have the ability to pay uh, the mortgage on that 100,000, you won't get the loan. It's a that. Okay, and somebody who is with uh, KBC uh, Mortgage won't be finished until 2029, looking for advice on where best to go. 
Well, again, it, whatever rate they're on, if they're on a, a fixed rate, they're, they're fine because that can be rate. honoured. They're on a variable rate. They're on a variable rate. Well, it, again, it will depend on what their variable rate is. If the variable rate is relatively high, if, if they're over 3%, I would be looking to fix that. And I'd look to fix it with potentially with KBC to see what they can offer by way of fixed rates. And if it's not competitive compared to other, and you, you can, I mean, again, all, all your listeners are very welcome to contact me and I'd be happy to give them this information um, but to check and see what the competition is offering because you know the old saying don't look a gift horse in the mouth if you can get a, a, a better rate elsewhere better in your pocket yeah yeah absolutely okay so the ECB's interest rate uh, 0.25% in July and are we are we definite that there's going to be a second increase in September and do we know how much that's going to be Pretty, pretty certain there will be a second one, and in September. I mean, as, as I say, with inflation raging at 7.8% here in Ireland and, um, you know, the economy uh, kind of faltering, not just in Ireland, but now all over the world. Um, I mean, America has is at 8.7% and it's the highest in 40 years in, in, in that land. So, uh, yeah, there's, there's, uh, you need to batten down the hatches. And it's not a question. This is a really good time, by the way, Patricia, uh, to, to financially plan and plan. If not, not about budgeting because people are sick to death of budgeting. They've, they've paired where they can pair no more. But at the same time, you, you do prioritize. And there'll be times when you'll say, okay, um, you know, uh, let's, let's turn the, the thermostat down by one degree and we can save 10% on the energy costs. Uh, you know, you know, I remember years ago when my daughter was like you know 14 and she just left the house she was the last in the house i was bringing her to school and i said kerry get back in that house and turn off your bedroom light Mm. (laughs) you know it's it's not so much it's getting it's it's all about value at the moment making sure that you get value yeah, yeah, absolutely. And one, just one very final one from uh, Jenny. With the increase rates uh, increasing, uh, Jenny has some money in the bank. She says, not that it's making any money because there's no interest. Will it mean that people who have savings will we start to see interest accruing on well, our savings? Well, that's a very uh, that's a very interesting question because the the um, negative equity. If you have money in the credit union, for instance, and they get that money and they lodge it with their local bank, it's usually one of the two pillar banks, AIB or Bank of Ireland. Um, AIB charge the credit union 0.65% on surplus funds whereas Bank of Ireland charges them 0.4 now all this um, increases in the ECB rate will mean that they might get back to 0% but you can find feel certain pretty certain that there won't be any major um, kind of increase in the deposit rates I mean the thing to do uh, and I've said it to a lot of people is you know you go into prize bonds I have three customers three clients with half a million each and one of them um, by when he put the uh, half a million each and two ladies one one gentleman the gentleman won 20,000 after eight months the other one of the other ladies said to me says John you have no idea the pleasure I get from listening to my letterbox go on a regular basis (laughs) Because she's getting the 50s. She keeps winning. She keeps in. winning. All right. Yes. Listen, a joy as always, John. Thank you for that. And uh, thanks for Thank joining you, us. Good morning to you. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay.
Phone and text lines are currently closed. I really see some questions coming in for Annalise. Keep those coming. She'll join us in the last hour on the programme. But one listener says that the government are very worried about refugees sleeping on the floor of hotels. But what about our next door neighbours sleeping on the streets of Cork every night of the week? Has the focus gone on to refugees rather than the housing crisis that we face at the moment? Well, there certainly is a lot of focus on the Ukrainian refugees and a lot of headaches and worries for the government because according to newspaper reports today they reckon around 3,400 Ukrainian refugees will have nowhere to live in Ireland in a little over six weeks time and the reason why they're setting that date of a little over six weeks time that's when the government contracts with hotels will come to an end. Now the true scale of the humanitarian crisis has been laid bare for ministers who were told that the state is simply running out of accommodation for people who are fleeing the war in Ukraine. Details of the warning come as the Cabinet Committee on Ukraine. Now they are meeting today and they're obviously meeting to discuss what is this worsening housing situation for the refugees and it's expected to hit crisis point in the coming weeks. Senior ministers will be told More than 21,000 refugees have been provided with housing to date, but there are still up to 1,000 refugees who are in what's deemed emergency accommodation. So the search for housing now is set to worsen, particularly as the tourism season kicks off. But also you add to that, students will be returning to their classes later in the year. So modelling has been carried out for the government by the consultancy firm Ernest & Young and they're suggesting that approximately 3,400 Ukrainians could end up with no accommodation and they've set a date of the 28th of July. Now the 28th of July is when the contracts with the hotels uh, expire and then they've based their modelling on on average 250 people arriving here from Ukraine every day between now and the 28th of July. The modelling also suggests that even if that number goes to 150 people arriving per day, then there would be between 5,700 and 6,900 Ukrainians who will simply have no place to stay by the end of August. Now, the the state currently has, there's more than 300 contracts. Those contracts are with hotels, they're with B&Bs, they're with religious institutions, educational institutions. They have contracts with arenas, with scout dens, youth hostels, and even St Vincent de Paul centres. And they're all being used under these contracts to provide accommodation. But there are also concerns that about 4,500 student accommodation beds that are currently being used to house Ukrainian refugees, those refugees will have to vacate the student accommodation by the middle of August because it's from the middle of August that the third level colleges start to open and the students start to return and will need their accommodation. Now the ministers have also been told that the Irish Red Cross's efforts to match refugees with people who very kindly offered private accommodation, that's been deemed by some government ministers as unsatisfactory. The Department of Children have been forced to intervene to elicit the limited progress to date. I think the government were hoping because there was that huge wave of people coming forward saying they had accommodation. The Red Cross were were 
tasked with getting that work done but just for what it's just been really really slow and the government now I think there's almost a sense of frustration as to what's going on and what is happening. Now the government is aiming to avail of around 6,000 pledges of that private accommodation by the end of the summer. But that will involve the Irish Red Cross, various other government departments, various other state agencies and the local authorities all working to make sure that the accommodation that has been offered is suitable and safe. There was about 25,000 people initially pledged either a shared accommodation in the people said I've got a bedroom or two bedrooms that I would be willing to put up refugees and there was others came forward to say that they had a vacant property and that was when the Russians first invaded Ukraine. There was this really groundswell of support for the Ukrainians and people were saying look anything we can do to help. But when you dig down into the 25,000 people who initially came forward 10,000 of those people were either uncontactable or there was a duplicate uh, pledge and then there was another 5,600 people withdrew their offer they initially thought they could accommodate refugees then they thought about it and said no they couldn't then there was 2,800 offers of vacant properties now the vacant properties are obviously the best ones because you can put you know complete families in that have arrived from uh, Ukraine but of the 2,800 only 9 of far have been in and they have to have a full inspection before families can be placed uh, in them. More than 6,600 offers of shared accommodation were made. Uh, 3,000 of those have been contacted and asked to take part in a vetting process. However, of the 3,000, only one third of people, so only 1,000 agreed to go through the process and have the Gardaí carry carry out vetting and that's happened for about 1,000 homes and a thousand people were willing to have all the vetting process including Garda vetting. Now the Cabinet Committee on Ukraine that I say they're meeting today, they will also be told that local authorities are spending too much of their time and resources on the refugee crisis and what does that mean? That means that they're prevented from focusing on other issues such as their commitment set out under the Housing for All strategy so you know exactly what that person by text is saying. while everybody feels so desperately sorry for the Ukrainians and nobody would want to be in their shoes and we have to do everything that we can uh, to help them. But if all of the focus has been put on the Ukrainian refugees, what's happening to people in this country who are still homeless and the local authorities before the war started were doing their best to try to house as many people as possible but it's now looking like all the focus has gone on the Ukrainian refugees. Now local authorities have been providing emergency accommodation for refugees this is all over the country over the last number of months and they're still aiming to refurbish buildings that would then go on to provide housing. They reckon for about 3,000 of the Ukrainians fleeing the war. The Department of housing for example they're also developing a pilot project to provide 500 of these modular homes and they obviously then will be used to house refugees however ministers have been warned that that project will cost in excess of 100 million euro and there is a need for a long term strategy for the homes to ensure that they continue to be occupied then once the war in Ukraine has ended. There's no point investing in these modular homes that would then house the Ukrainians and then the day will come when the Ukrainians will return home and suddenly these modular homes wherever they're built nobody will want to live in them because of perhaps maybe where they are located. So the Office of Public Works is reviewing the 
best site for the modular accommodation. And obviously they're looking very much on location, 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 but also to make sure that the location is close to services. They need to have things like schools, healthcare. They need to make sure that the people have access like transport. The Cabinet Committee will also discuss how on average 100 Ukrainians are moved between various accommodation sites almost on a daily basis and that's due to the current reliance on this short-term leasing. They're going to be told that obviously has potential impact on the efforts to integrate the the refugees into communities, especially in terms of finding employment or schools for children. And I have heard a number of refugees talk about that, that their children are settled into schools and suddenly they're told the accommodation they're in, perhaps they were staying in a hotel and the contract has run out for that hotel. So they have to move and they'll be moved, not just even locally, they'll be moved to different parts of the country, which means the whole the family have to up sticks again and move somewhere else. And it means the children then going into a different school. But it also for, there, there's a number, I don't have the actual number what the latest number is but there are a number of Ukrainian refugees because of course they all got issued with PPS numbers almost on arriving in this country which means they have a PPS number they're entitled to find work and there are a number of refugees who have managed to uh, find work so if suddenly like I heard for example one family who were initially located in Dublin children are in school the mother went off and secured a job and suddenly they got a phone call to say you'll be moved from Dublin and they will be moved to Yall nothing wrong with Yall it's a beautiful uh, town but I heard her say on national radio her job would be gone because her job was in Dublin and obviously the children were upset because they had settled into uh, school so that's going to have to be looked at because that seemingly is happening to a hundred Ukrainian refugees a day are getting the message that you have to move from and some of them have been there since they first arrived in this country So there's a lot of headaches ahead for that government committee on the Ukrainians and trying to find out how we're going to go forward with this in housing the refugees, but also at the same time being aware of the housing crisis we face in this country. And we have many of our own who are homeless at the moment. And just also actually I saw in the papers today that five Ukrainian soldiers who were wounded in the war are being treated in Irish hospitals. They were airlifted in recent days. Three were flown into Dublin Airport on Saturday. Two arrived on Friday. They're just being described as soldiers with varying degrees of injury, including obviously gunshot wounds. Two of the soldiers were taken immediately to Beaumont Hospital in Dublin for treatment and two of them actually are here with us in Cork University Hospital and the fifth soldier has gone to University Hospital Galway. It's understood that the five soldiers were taken from field hospitals to established hospitals in Ukraine. Then they were transferred to Poland and from Poland then they were flown to Ireland and it's the first time that military casualties have been brought into Ireland and the transfers are all being coordinated by the EU along with the HSE and obviously our National Ambulance Service and it's under the auspices of the European Disaster Relief Project which was established back in 2001 and that provides support between European countries when individual health services are overwhelmed. So I'm, I'm assuming we're not the only country, a lot of other European countries as well have taken Ukrainian soldiers for treatment. 0818103103 John Paul's taking your calls you can text you can WhatsApp to 0862103103 C103 Jobs and our first vacancy this morning is KPH Construction they're looking for ground workers it's for concrete work in Cork City call 087 655 
Shuttering Carpenter is wanted for Blarney Street and Second Fixed Carpenter is required for Bishopstown CVs. Please to jobs at hamiltonfrench.com. Charver Plantard, they're recruiting lorry drivers with a full clean sea licence, also qualified mechanics, 87 3285111. And Lachine's House Home, Wear and Furniture, recruiting an office administrator, a van driver, sales assistant for Skibbereen, Clonakilty and Bandon. Call 086 172 1269. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. Remember the Cork Summer Show is back next weekend and they have kindly, kindly given us a family pass to give away every day this week. It will admit two adults and four children. It'll be based on a summer-based question. Well, ask you in the next hour and then we will be telling you to text or WhatsApp in with your answer and every day this week we'll make a draw and one lucky family will win a family pass to go along to the Cork Summer Show which is very much a family festival there is something there from the very smallies right up to granny and granddad you can bring everybody along there's wonderful cookery and craft demonstrations and of course there's live music every day and there's plenty for the children because they have a kid zone and there will be a fun fair as well and if you want to check out everything that is going to be going on at the Cork Summer Show, which is, hasn't been on for the last two years because of COVID. So I imagine the numbers are going to be even higher than ever going along. You can go to the, they have a really good website where they outline everything that's going to be happening this year. It's corksummershow.ie. And while we've been talking on the programme about the cost of living and people noticing all prices going up and some families are really struggling. And I know we're hoping on the programme this morning to speak with uh, Katrina Toomey of Cork Penny Dinners who's talking about how families are really struggling particularly families that re- rely on the school meals uh, programme they will be children who who go to any of the Desh uh, schools so during the summer months children could actually go uh, hungry I read a survey earlier this morning that I suppose really shows there of the haves and the have-nots while there are a proportion of people in this country who are really struggling at the moment there's also another group of people who've had a lot of savings built up over the last two years because of the pandemic people weren't able to travel able to go on their normal uh, holidays weren't able to spend their money weren't out socialising going to restaurants etc so there are a cohort of people in this country who have a lot of money and certainly there's a survey is showing how some people are spending that money for example people in Ireland we spent 15 million euro more on airline travel in the month of May when you compare with the figure from the previous month. So April through to May, 15 million extra was spent on air fares. Consumer spending on flying abroad was up 24%. Now, that obviously was to do with the lifting of international travel restrictions and it is up 268%. Well, no surprise there compared to May of last year because there wasn't many people travelling last year. And by the way, for anybody who is planning on travelling to the States as of yesterday, passengers heading to America from Ireland, you're no longer required to show a negative COVID uh, test. Now you do need to have evidence of your vaccination but you don't need to have the COVID test. They were insisting that you had both your vaccination and you needed to pay for a private 
PCR test, you you won't need that anymore. So that's a bit of good news for people going going to uh, the uh, to the US. Now in Ireland, a total of eighty four million euro was spent daily last month and this was all to do with consumer spending being up it increased by percent but while many people spread their wings and decided to go abroad for the first time since the pandemic began spending on domestic hotels fell by over 4 million euro in May of this year and that's a drop of 8% spending in pubs was down also by 2% but there was no change with the restaurants but less and less people are staying in hotels but all I am hearing from people who are trying to book hotels in this country firstly availability is a huge issue and that ties in with the piece I mentioned earlier about the number of hotels who have contracts for Ukrainian refugees so there's less hotel hotel rooms available but then for hotels that are open for business many people are talking about the price of booking hotel rooms. Hotel rooms in Dublin seem to be just literally gone off the Richter scale. Don't know about the rest of the country and and tourist areas around the country but certainly anyone trying to book a hotel in Dublin is getting some shock if they firstly can find a hotel room but then the prices that are being quoted are absolutely uh, ridiculous. So I'm not surprised to see that spending in hotels has dropped because I think for some people they're just not willing to pay even if they have the money they're not willing to pay the excessive uh, price but as proof of how much the airline sector has recovered there has been an increase of 1,102% when you compare figures taken from the height of the COVID restrictions to May of this year data taken from over 1 million card transactions by AIB customers during last month also reveal that there's a huge trend towards digital payments and consumer spending are spending over 11 million euros a day using a digital wallet either on their smart phones or you can even do it on your watch now to pay and that's an increase of 7%. So we very much are moving towards what the banks had been pushing for all along and that was move away, moving us towards a cashless society. Certainly I think the pandemic has helped to speed that up and more and more people now are moving to just tapping and, and either using their smartphone or, or just tapping and going. And when it comes to spending on electronics and when it comes to spending on groceries, little change during the month of May. Clothing, hardware and homeware, they all uh, went up. Health and beauty as well. I don't know what the reason for that is. Maybe there was people prepping and getting ready to go on holidays but that saw an increase of 7% as well so certainly there's, there is money out there to be spent but a lot of people are opting they've done with the staycations they've had their staycations for the last two years and many people now seeing the opportunity to uh, go abroad and I think if you know there was very successful staycations happened throughout the pandemic and we all I think got to see parts of this country that we'd never seen before and we really enjoyed it but if the hotel prices keep going up and up then you know you're going to have people saying it's cheaper for me to jump on a plane and go somewhere where I'm guaranteed uh, sunshine because I know for a number of the concerts particularly concerts that are based in Dublin I saw people certainly on social media saying that it is cheaper to because a lot of the acts that play in Dublin are part of a European tour and many people were saying I know certainly the Bruce Springsteen concert was the one that really came uh, to mind because of the cost of the ticket and then if you need to get hotel accommodation and if you're going to Bruce Springsteen concert you are more than likely going to stay in Dublin for the overnight. It was cheaper for a lot of people to book a flight 
to go to one of his European destinations, get a hotel in one of those European destinations and pay for the ticket. It was actually cheaper to do that than to go and spend a night in Dublin. So if hotel prices continue to uh, rise, it is going to be difficult. And I can absolutely accept the cost of doing business has gone up. Certainly I can accept that. So I can, you can expect costs to go up, but I think it's by the amount that costs have gone up. I mean, I my own example of having to do a hotel accommodation. It was five weeks apart, very same hotel, very same deal that I was staying for on, on one overnight stay, just bed without breakfast. And it had jumped from €161 Euro to €320 Euro in a five week period. And, you know, while I accept cost of business, I would have exp- accepted maybe even a 10% more, but not 100% more on the very same room, on the very same night, in the very same uh, hotel. And just by the way, to people who are jetting away on holidays this summer, the Department of Foreign Affairs have come out saying that people who are heading away on holidays this summer, they're offering advice, particularly to young travellers. Uh, there was, there's always young travellers who are heading away on their first trips overseas and that wouldn't have happened over the last three, two years. So there's a kind of a, a, a pent up need to go overseas for a lot of our young young people and it's been three years really since we've had a normal summer of travel so you've got the usual leaving search the post leaving search trippers the 18 and 19 year olds but you also have people in their early 20s who've never gone away the 19, 20, 21 year olds they would never have gone away before and the people who go away on their backpacking uh, adventures and because of that the Department of Foreign Affairs have come out to say look there are a couple of risks and that people need to bear that uh, in mind and you know the obvious one that they're talking about young people heading away first time without mum and dad looking after them on holidays that if you combine very strong sun with alcohol consumption it can really impact people and it can have a very negative consequences. The Department of Foreign Affairs have formed a special unit to deal with what they expect is going to be an avalanche of calls in from young people, some who perhaps went away and weren't prepared for it. They're saying alcohol consumption. They're saying particularly don't drink a drink when you haven't seen it being poured. Never leave your drink unattended. Kind of drink unattended. I think a lot of young people will be used to from here in this country. But young young holiday makers and, you know, the usual advice that you'd give to, I suppose, any young people even heading out on a night out here in Ireland is stick together. Look after all of your friends, particularly if you're in a very large group. But they're also advising people going overseas that they need to have access to extra funds in case of any emergencies when they go uh, abroad. And then particularly from this weekend on, they're saying to people to be very aware about being sun smart and all of that because there seems to be a heat wave from this Friday on. Certainly Spain is is heading into another one of these heat waves that they don't normally get that often. So they're telling people you know, the usual advice to be safe in uh, the sun. And the Department of Foreign Affairs say most young people will have a brilliant experience but they're urging them not to take unnecessary risks that can be tragic outcomes in sad and rare cases and of course the usual advice as well check your passport, make sure that it's valid, make copies of it when you're going uh, going away, 
just in case you lose it or it gets stolen. The European Health Insurance Card, make sure you bring that with you and that you have it updated. Your travel insurance, never travel without travel insurance. And obviously the Irish consulates and the embassies abroad, they're always available to help citizens. But they're not in a position to help out somebody financially or to offer medical advice. They're really only there if there is a major emergency, if there's a family bereavement. And the Department of Foreign Affairs, their travel advice page, if people want to take a look at that. And if you have young sons or daughters planning on travelling I would be directing them towards it it includes a whole range of other scenarios including what might happen if you test positive with Covid while you're abroad while you're away on your holiday and how would you cover the additional costs of uh, that and so as I, as you know the Department of Foreign Affairs say most young people will have a brilliant experience but you know unfortunately there will be some very sad and tragic cases that no doubt we will be reporting on. We just want everyone to go away and have a nice time, but to come back, have a safe time and to come back uh, safely. 0818 103 103. John Paul's taking your calls. You can text, you can WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. The C103 Street Fleet. Coming your way soon. Meet the C103 Street Fleet at the Cork Summer Show this Saturday and Sunday, June 18th and 19th at the showgrounds. There's loads happening for all the family, including arts and crafts, cooking demos, play zones, live entertainment and loads more. Join the Street Fleet this Saturday and Sunday at the Cork Summer Show with C103. And Karen Crowley, Information Officer with the South Munster Citizen Information Service based in Mallow, uh, joins us for our monthly slot with Citizen Information. Good morning. Good morning to you, Karen. Good morning. And you're going to be offering advice around employing young people this uh, summer. Now, but firstly, currently young, uh, a lot of services are opening to the public. What's, this, what's the ongoing situation with the citizen information offices? I suppose we're getting there. Okay. So we're still providing service mainly by phone and email and we are seeing people by appointment in some offices. We usually arrange the appointment situations where we're unable to help over the phone. So we would always say, give us a call. We'll talk through the query and the appropriate way of responding um, because we do recognise some issues are best dealt with face-to-face. And if that's the case, we will bring you in and we will give you an appointment. Unfortunately, in service here in Mallow is still closed, but hopefully that, again, may change in the coming weeks. Okay, and of course we have to remember COVID hasn't gone away. That's, nope, that's, no, that's the main. That's, and <laughs> you need to keep the service going. That's what's it's so important. Your service. We do, and COVID is very much. It made an appearance in my house again two weeks oh, ago. No. So oh, you know, goodness. now thankfully it stuck to one. He was he was banned yeah. to his bedroom, um, but it is still out there. Yeah, you know. yeah. I'm only only this morning I got contacted by somebody I know who's uh, come down with it as well. Okay, so today we're looking at young uh, workers. Okay, what information and supports are available for workers from Citizens Information? Well, along with everything else, I suppose we provide information, advice, and advocacy across a broad range of topics, including employment and young workers. Although with young workers, it's usually one of the parents, i.e., the Irish mammy, will give us a call. Now, if we don't have the answers, we will refer you to someone who does. Define what you class as young workers. Young workers are generally people aged 14 to 18 who work for an employer. As young workers are generally in full-time education, they're protected by a different set of laws than adults would be. If, so, if a young person was going forward for a job, would they need the permission of the parents? 
yes, they would. Before a young person can get a job, they must first show a copy of their birth certificate or other proof of their age to the employer. And if they're under 16, they need written permission from their parent or guardian. The permission letter must be given to the employer for their files. Okay. now talk to me about the hours that a young person can work. Well, with the hours you can work and the types of jobs you can do very much depend on your age. The Act itself doesn't apply to children or young people who are employed by a close relative, so I suppose keep that in mind. So employers cannot apply, employ children under 16 in regular full-time jobs. They can employ children aged 14 and 15 years on light work, uh, as follows really. Children aged 14 or over can do light work during the school holidays for no more than seven hours in any one day, or 35 in any week. And children over 15 but under 16 can do light work for up to eight hours a week during the school term time. So they can continue their Saturday job, I suppose, but only up to eight hours a week, and that's only if you're over 15. So it, it's a little bit complicated. So I suppose if your child is age 14, during school term time, they can't work at all. During their holidays, they can work up to 35 hours. And if they're doing a bit of work experience, actually, it can be moved up to 40 hours. And then if your child is 15 years of age, then eight hours during school term time, so he or she can keep on the old Saturday job. Mm -hmm. During holidays, they can work up to 35 hours. And again, with work experience, it can be 40 hours. Okay, so that's children up to the age of 16. But what happens when a child turns 16 and then the ones who are 17, not yet 18? What happens to those? So those that are age 16 and 17, these ones, these are the ones that are actually classed as within legislation as young workers as opposed to 14 and 15 year olds who really are still classed as children. The Act sets the following limits to the working hours of these. So their maximum working day for those aged 16 and 17 is 8 hours and their maximum working week is 40 hours. Now that cap is for all employers. So if you have two part-time jobs or more, there cannot be more than 40 hours combined in the week. Well that's, yeah, and you will get some young people who will be working for I'm thinking now within hospitality, they might have a waitressing job with one restaurant and they could be working, you know, with another restaurant on another day. So they've got to keep keep that in mind. Okay, then time off and breaks for young people. So like the rest of us, they're entitled to three different types of breaks from work. They're rest breaks, so that would be your lunch break, your tea break and any other short break during the day. Your daily rest, so that's the break between finishing one period of work and starting the next, so we'll say finishing at 5 o'clock this evening and starting at 9 in the morning. And your weekly rest, so that would be the whole days when you do not come into work, usually called your days off. So for us office workers, that's generally a Saturday and Sunday, but of course in the hospitality industry, again, yeah, that's, that's probably going to vary. Yeah, it could be a different day, every, or different days every single week. Is that the same for all of the different age groups that you spoke about earlier? No, it's not. So the time off and rest breaks for children under 16 are slightly more generous. So if you're under 16, you're going to get a half hour rest break after four hours of work. For your daily rest break, so the time that you finish work and start again the next day, you must have 14 consecutive hours off. And your weekly rest break, that's two days off. And these are to be consecutive as far as is practicable. Now, if you're over 16... So if you're aged between 16 and 17, your half-hour rest break, you'll get that after four and a half hours of work. And then your daily rest break is down to 12 consecutive hours hours off. And again, the weekly rest break is two, two days. days off to be okay. consecutive as much as possible. Okay, there, there is a difference there, all right, between the different uh, age groups. Yeah. Then what about young people working, say, early in the morning or late at night? Now, children aren't allowed to work before 8am in the morning or after 8pm at night. Young people aged 16 and 17 
Now, the children, of course, would be the 14 and 15-year-olds. I should stress that. Yeah. So young people aged 16 and 17 are generally not allowed to work before 6 a.m. in the morning or after 10 p.m. at night. But they can work up to 10 p.m.? They can, absolutely. Okay. All right. And then, uh, I mean, nighttime work, you're, you're straight away, the obvious one is restaurants, but you're also thinking of bar work. What happens if it's a licensed premises? Now, there is an exception here. So for licensed premises, there is an exception to the rule, but there are there are other rules to be followed. Okay, so young people who are attending school can be employed on general duties in a licensed premises, such as pub. During the school term, they can only, I, this was a new one on me, but there you go, they can only work until 11pm on a day that is not immediately before a school day. So you can work until 11pm on a Friday night if you're not in school on Saturday. However, you cannot work until 11pm on Sunday if you must be in school on Monday. Well, well, that's interesting, isn't it? It is. It's very interesting. And obviously, um, it's also in there as well under the underemployment legislation that a conversation must be had between the parent and the employer as to how you're going to get home after working a shift in in the evening time. Yeah, because if you are finishing up at 11, 12 o'clock at night and you're in a rural area, how do you get home? Okay, so that discussion has to happen beforehand. It does, yeah. Okay. yeah and then getting paid, that's what young people are in, interested in. Mm-hmm. Can a young person expect the same paperwork as the rest of us when it comes to getting paid? Oh, yes, they can. <laughs> there, there's Welcome no to the real world, paperwork. guys. <laughs> <laughs> and they're going to get taxed. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, so all employees have a right to get a payslip. And the payslip is a written statement from the employer that explains your total pay before tax and all details of any deductions from pay. And actually, in relation to that, what I'd be saying is if you're unsure about your payslip, because obviously, you know, 14, 15, 16, 17, you're not really going to understand your payslip. Give us a call here. I can can go go through through it. it. No problem at all. Yeah, just to make sure that you're paying. You're not over, over paying. Is there a minimum wage for a young person? There is. So since 1st of January 2022, the national minimum wage for us all is ten fifty per hour. However, not everyone is automatically entitled to get this. So, unfortunately, if workers are under 18, you're, you're only guaranteed up to 70% of the national minimum wage, which is seven thirty five per hour. However, your employer can pay you more than the minimum wage if they want, even if they're not required to do so by law. But they can. And we all know that employers are under pressure at the moment for staff. So yeah. negotiate, negotiate, yeah. negotiate. Yeah. Yeah. And, and when I was teeing up that you were coming on the programme today, I was saying it is very timely because there are so many vacancies, particularly within the hospitality sector. And many young people will be filling those roles now, particularly the secondary school students who are already on their holidays, those yeah. not doing doing exams. So oh, and the college be. students have finished as well in the main. So there are, there are jobs out there. Um, so and a lot will go into hospitality the ongoing and you'll often hear it discussed about tips what 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 is is there a legal requirement for tips to be divided between everybody or what's what's the go on it so at the moment if you work in a job where staff gets tips and gratuities from customers you're not automatically entitled to get these tips however this is where it gets to be funny you're not required to give over your tips to your employer either so so it's it's very grey so it depends on the customer practice in the workplace so this is because there's currently no laws at all setting out the rules for tips and gratuities. Thankfully, this is going to change soon, so we will all be more aware of what's happening to tips because there was a draft payment of wages uh, bill published in January, so we're just waiting for its enactment now. Um, and, of course, here's here's the little clincher at the end. If the tips are collected by management, particularly, you know, everybody's tapping yeah. and going, and they yeah, yeah. It, then 
These are paid to the staff to the payroll. And of course, then these tips oh, are taxed. Goodness, goodness. Whereas yeah. if you hand someone a tenner at the end of the meal as yeah. a tip, they're not going to be taxed on that because it's going directly to the waitress. In theory, not now, even though I can see it coming in. That's going to change. Yeah. yeah, it's going to change. But um, yeah, if it goes through. It's a real grey area. It's a, it's a real grey area, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's one of the reasons why when I pay on a card, I always like to have cash with me to give as a tip. Pop it into the jar. Yeah, 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 just to make sure that the staff um, do, do get it. All right, a lot of information there. And as you say, you can chat with people about uh, about that um, or, or if, if people want to contact their local citizens' information. Yeah, if anybody needs more information, want us to run through pay slips, make sure everything is as it should be, give us a call um, or check the website citizensinformation.ie. You know, in this case, it's often best to give us a ring and talk with one of the information officers, particularly if you're worried about your payslip or your hours. And we will go through your situation and guide you in the right direction. And as always, the service here is free and confidential. So you can contact me here in Mallow or my colleague Rachel on 0818-078000 or the Bantry office on 0818-078390. We'll be happy to take calls at any time. And obviously, not everyone has a pen to hand. So go on to the website, citizensinformation.ie, and the number for your local office be found there. And I'm always advocating on behalf of your website because you have a brilliant website and you're always so quick at updating it as well. It's a mine of information. Pleasure as always. Lots of information there, Karen. Thank you for that. And we'll, you're speak, very welcome. we'll speak again in the coming weeks. Thanks, uh, Thank thanks for joining us. Uh, bye bye. That is Karen Crowley, who is Information Officer with the South Munster Citizens Information uh, Service. And Karen is based out of Mallow. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. The Cork Summer Show is back with us and uh, everything preparations underway for next weekend, Saturday and Sunday, 18th and 19th of June. It's a family festival. They have an extensive range of activities ranging everything from show jumping to pig racing. There'll be cookery and craft demonstrations. There'll be trade stands and the trade stands offer everything from health, wellness, lifestyle and fashion products. There'll be live music every day and the children will certainly have fun because they've got a kids zone and there's also a fun fair. If you want to check out all of the events that are happening in connection with the Summer Show, then you can go to their website CorkSummerShow.com for your chance now to win a family pass which you can go either Saturday or Sunday and you can get two adults and four children. I think I said two children earlier. It's two adults and up to four children can get in on your family pass. Can you name the song from the movie soundtrack Grease that has summer in the title? Answers only by text or WhatsApp to 0862103103. So your answer along with your name and address. The song from the movie soundtrack Grease that has summer in the title because obviously all of our questions this week are related to uh, summer. So get texting or whatsapping on that if you would like to win a family pass to the Cork Summer Show for next weekend. Two adults and four children. The song from the movie soundtrack Grease that is summer in the title. What's the name of the song along with your name and address. Get texting or whatsapping on that please and we will select our winner in uh, a couple of minutes. 0862103103 while I'm waiting for our winner let me quickly just go to some calls that we had in and queries that we'd, we'd in I think both of them we had to get on to the council about we did let me start with uh, Patricia in Glantan had been on to us to say that she drives past Lombardstown every day 
travelling from Glantam and she pointed out that there's a housing estate with elderly people living there and in the particular housing estate the green area is very overgrown according to Patricia it looks like it hasn't been cut at all this uh, season now she said normally that if people living there would be able to maintain it themselves but she said unfortunately in this particular housing estate the bulk of the people living there are older so they're not able to do it themselves she wants to know why the council aren't cutting grass and she contacted us this morning she said she feels so strongly about it that if something isn't done within the, the next week she's actually considering hiring a contractor herself and paying for it herself to look after those people in Numberstown which is a really really kind gesture but hold on uh, Patricia because Cork County Council tell us the contractors have been appointed by Cork County Council for grass cutting for this season and the works are ongoing at present and they will be ongoing over the next few weeks because that's obviously I don't know how many contractors they've employed but it's a big big county as well but they're working their way around the different housing estates so they will get to if Lambertstown it obviously is from what you've said is normally an estate where they cut the grass and they, their contractors will get there but you have a kind heart indeed and thank you for your call earlier today and then Tuesday of last week we were contacted by Pat in Mill Street who lives in Drishan View in Mill Street and he says about two years ago they were promised new windows and doors. He says the house that he's in, it's a council house they have the old timber style wooden and doors and he said over the years they're rotting at this stage and they just need to be replaced and he said two years ago they had the promise but they still don't have any new windows and doors and he asked us is there anything we could do to find out when can he expect and the other residents in Drishan View who are expecting windows and doors, when can they expect it? So we got to Cork County Council and they say they're undertaking a substantial programme of works. It's uh, in order to upgrade their housing stock and a lot of it is being done under the Energy Efficiency Retrofit Program. Now Cork County Council have submitted its 2022 Energy Efficiency Works Programme and when you look into that, it does include Trishan View in Mill Street. They've sent that programme into the Department of Housing for approval. Once they get the approval, the necessary works will be procured. And we know from the government and certainly from the green input into the government, Eamon Ryan and the other green TDs, there is a huge push towards energy efficiency of our homes and doing these retrofit projects. And certainly from what Pat is describing with the windows and doors rotting, that's a house that you're paying so much money to heat and half the heat is going out the windows and doors so they, you definitely need your new windows and doors. So just to let you know, Pat, the houses in your area have been included in that programme. They're just once they get the approval, once they get the nod from the Department of Housing and I take it the fact that it has been submitted under the 2022 Energy Efficiency Works programme, they'll be expecting very soon to get the approval and then work will get underway. Keep us informed, Pat, please. But certainly I think that's a bit of good news for you from uh, Cork County Council. And hi Patricia, I'm just wondering have you heard as the second booster is available to the over 65 and there's a big push at the moment to get the over 65s who haven't received their second booster which would be their fourth uh, shot. Could you find out please, are there any plans to give a second booster to people aged over 55 and will they go down through the age groups? There isn't at the moment. I know the last time we had, it was either a doctor or we had Peter Weedle, the pharmacist in Mallow, who is really au fait with everything that's happening with the vaccines because he runs the vaccination programme himself out of Weedle's pharmacy. He was saying there isn't a, a time frame yet, but he's expecting one. 
the the last I heard and what it's looking like is that come about September when they start to roll out the flu vaccine for this year, it looks like it will be tied in with you'll go for a flu vaccine and you'll be able to get a booster as well. Now, will it be for all the different age groups? I don't know. I really don't know at this stage, but there's certainly, I know, coming from Australia where the they get the first because obviously they're into winter at the moment. So they, we watched the strain of flu in Australia and we're able to work out what the flu is going to be like. There seemingly is a very nasty dose of flu during the rounds in Australia, which will obviously end up coming to Europe and end up on our uh, shores. So there will be a big push come September once the flu vaccine is available for people to get it. But as of now, no, unfortunately, uh, don't have a date on that. But Linda was also on and she's worried about COVID at the moment because she said she's now starting to hear of more people coming down with COVID. She is wondering, is there any plans for a reintroduction of the mask mandate and how would other people feel about the mask mandate being reintroduced? Do we need to look at that again and do we need to go back to the wearing of uh, masks? Well I know people are again being encouraged, now it's only encouraged to wear masks if you're going on public transport or if you're going into any kind of a healthcare setting and that's primarily down to the fact that the number of people in hospital with COVID-19 is continuing to rise. The Department of Health have issued, now it's only an advisory online warning saying wearing a face mask is advised on public transport and in healthcare settings. People they say who are vulnerable to COVID-19 are advised to be aware of the risk associated with activities that they choose to engage in and they are suggesting wearing a mask because it will give you enhanced protection. The Department of Health also said people should consider consider now they're not there isn't this isn't a mask mandate you should consider wearing a mask in any kind of a crowded indoor uh, setting and they say no one no one should be discouraged from wearing masks and of course at the end of February the mandatory face mask rule for public transport and shops was lifted and since then there's been little or no mask wearing certainly in shops that I'm in you see very few people wearing masks and certainly I'm not on public transport a lot but any buses that pass I always try to keep a look in to see who's wearing masks seems to be very very uh, few people yesterday there was 397 patients with COVID-19 in hospital now the real worry when you look at those figures that had jumped 60 from Saturday and so in one 24 hour period 60 people were admitted to hospital ICU still not doing too bad 24 people in uh, ICU two had been admitted in the previous 24 hours now a UCD virologist by the name of Dr Gerald Barry he's speaking in the Irish Independent today and he says while it's important people should be allowed to make up their own decisions he felt it would be sensible to wear masks on public transport or if you're in any kind of a crowded indoor area. He says we're seeing another wave of infection sweeping across the country and he says it's down to the new variants. Now he said the variant's slightly different to what we've seen in the past and people who were previously infected are susceptible to reinfection. And he said for anyone who is vulnerable or concerned about COVID-19 they should be aware of their social interactions and stop and think do I really need to go here? Am I putting myself at risk? And he says for anyone who's going to visit vulnerable people he reckons it's also we would be advisable that they do an antigen test first to make sure that they're not carrying the virus into the homes of a vulnerable person. Uh, he said there's still a great deal 
We don't know about long COVID and he doesn't think it's positive for people to keep getting reinfected. He said repeated infections of COVID isn't good for your health or it isn't good for the population overall. Dr Barry says it was positive said it was positive that Ireland was back to normal but he felt it was appropriate that people recognise COVID isn't a seasonal virus because we have a current spike at the moment it's very much showing that he also felt an official message should now once again encourage antigen testing and he says we need to have more research needed into long uh, COVID. Now the one good thing though when you're looking at all of those figures and the one thing that we can take particularly from the ICU numbers vaccination is still protecting people from serious illness and is still protecting people from ending up in uh, hospitals and that's clearly been shown. It's not stopping people getting it but it certainly is stopping them getting very very unwell and the most the most important message still going out for the over 65s and those who are immune compromised uh, who haven't who have not had the chance to take advantage of the booster to remind them that they should consider their booster now and boosters that's the it's the fourth shot it's the second booster but it's still at the moment only available to over 65s and those who are immune compromised 0818103103 John Paul taking your calls and just a couple of texts in this is to do with holidays and the cost of hotel accommodation in particular I was highlighting cost of hotel accommodation in Dublin Patricia I'm not at all surprised by the increase in flight bookings that you mentioned earlier and the reduction in bookings of hotels at home the rip-off tactics employed in hospitality. Can I say in some uh, hospitality? Anyway, Dan says it will only really be seen to true effect next year as some have already booked to stay at home and they made the booking earlier this year and he reckons the prices hadn't increased but he reckons next year it's going to be even worse. And then Martin in from Moy says, Patricia, myself and my family have been holidaying in Ireland for the last 20 years. The places we've seen are absolutely fantastic. I wouldn't even dream of getting on a plane and going far and Ireland has so much to offer. That's from Martin in from Moy. And Martin, let me know what value you're getting this year. Well, I don't know if you've had your holiday yet but if you're heading away on holiday, let me know what value and have you seen an increase in prices because I think that's what people are most worried about. Thank you for your text to 0818 103 103. Let's wrap up and our competition today for the Cork Summer Show. We asked the question... Name the song from the movie soundtrack Grease that has summer in the title. It was, of course, The Wonderful Summer Nights. And our winner today is Barry Doyle in Kilworth. Congratulations to you, Barry. You and your family, two adults and up to four children, can head along to the Cork Summer Show this weekend. And we will do that all over again every day this week, that family pass to be given away. And you can find out more details about this year's Cork Summer Show by going to corksummershow.com. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council, where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie. Donnerail Active Retirement, they're holding their next meeting this afternoon at half past three. It's in the Presentation Pastoral Centre. It'll be followed by flower arranging. Please bring one or two bunches of chrysanthemums with you, please. Geraldine Lynch from McCroom Buffalo Farm has undertaken, she started today, a 1,000 kilometre hike over six weeks. 
She has left this morning from Ballycastle in County Antrim and she's walking all the way to Allahy's on the Bear Peninsula. She's appealing for donations to help her raise funds for the wonderful Breakthrough Cancer Research. To donate, search for Antrim to Allahy's on idonate.ie. There is a clean-up of Shambali Moor. They're meeting tonight at 7 in the community centre. Everybody's welcome and a big thank you to all of the community members who have turned up over the past number of weeks. And Can Turk Tidy Towns Committee wish to thank all the businesses and residents in town for supporting their work and have asked for continued support now that the judging season is upon us. Please take extra care of your own patch. Pick up the litter and sweep the pavement in front of your property. And there'll be an open air mass on the green in Cannon Shields Place in Mallow this Wednesday at 7. It's for deceased residents. Family, friends and previous residents are very much welcome to attend. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. Parents of children who rely on government-funded school lunches are being forced to turn to Soup Kitchen Charity as families struggle to survive through the summer months. To share her thoughts, Katrina Toomey of Cork Penny Dinners joins me. Good afternoon to you, Katrina. Um, where is Katrina gone? Is, has she dropped out? Okay, she's dropped out. Okay, we will wait to get uh, Katrina back on the uh, programme. Just on the wearing of masks, Michael says, Patricia, how are you doing? I've heard of a good few cases of COVID in the past week or so. I'm still wearing my masks in shops, etc. as I suffer from asthma. I feel some people have become very complacent about it. Hopefully the summer won't be ruined by a massive spike, says Mallow, or says Michael. And I think that's that's what everybody is actually hoping for. And Joe in Dunmanway says, Patricia, my mask hasn't left my face. Every shop I go into, the mask goes on. Am I in the minority? I don't know, Joe. Are others... Have others, even though the mask mandate was lifted at the end of February, uh, Joe says everywhere she goes publicly, regardless of how many are there, she's wearing her mask. Are there others doing the same thing? Uh, 0818103103. Now, as I mentioned, parents of children relying on the government funded school lunches are worried that some of these families may not be able to afford to feed their children during the summer. And Katrina Toomey is sharing her thoughts on this of Cork Penny Dinners. Good afternoon to you, Katrina. Do many children benefit from the school's meals programme? Because when I mention it, not everyone was aware that there is such a thing as a school meals programme. Oh, there is, and a huge amount of children benefit from it. And I mean, even going back years ago, even when I was going to school, there were, I know there were some students like in, in all the schools, in all the classes, it used to get a bun and maybe cocoa and stuff like that. But uh, like it's still going on today. But they do. They get a, a lovely lunch. They can get rolls and rice cakes and a juice and a bit of fruit and stuff like that. Or they can even get hot lunches, which could be chicken curry and rice, spaghetti bolognese, a bit of lasagna. They get hot panini. So, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that goes out. And our, and, t- our, 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 our schools and teachers very aware that some of their pupils might go hungry this summer. Oh, yes. They are, and they're very good. They're absolutely outstanding. The principals, the school teachers, the whole lot. And, you know, I've said that we have school teachers that even call to our warehouse to campers to take their families and they lift them themselves, you know, and, and take them and, and deliver them. They're very, very good. They're more than aware. And some schools, I know one particular school knows that of families that are in hotels and B&Bs that would have no cooking facilities and they allow the parents to come in to 
cook a bit of food for their children as well. Inside There's in the school? In. So, yeah, there's quite a lot happening on the school front. Uh, teachers, the principals, the staff, everybody in the schools are very good around when there's a, a need for it. And are you already starting to hear from some families who you think may need help with well, just the know, basic food items? Yeah, and we, we are. And like for the two months that the kids will be on holidays, we're talking about primary here now, and for two months when they're on holidays, you know, it's kind of a lifeline to the family when they're getting their lunches. But um, the families will struggle because they won't be available to the children for those two months. And, you know, it, it, food poverty is hitting everybody at the minute. We have a, a crisis. A lot of people are saying that we have a cost of living crisis. I would go so far as to say we now have a, a survival crisis and people know they have to survive. The cost of bills, we're talking about rent, mortgages, heating, fuel, you pull up at the petrol pump and if you're going to work um, and have to fill up, they're seeing, you know, they're getting no value for, for what they're putting into their tanks and stuff. The cost of everything has gone up right across the board. They're going shopping, so we're talking about food bills, we're talking about household bills and we're talking about all the other miscellaneous stuff that a person may need, even if you were to go and buy some medication, you know, like we talk about, I'll just say Calpol, but just to let people know what I'm talking about, if people have to go and purchase things like that, if they have to purchase shoes or clothes or stuff for their children, for themselves even, it's, it's, everything has gone up. They're struggling. And you believe that there are misconceptions around food poverty. There is, there's this belief that the only people that are struggling are people on social welfare. You're talking about people who go out to work every day two people going out to work and you know they just still can't make ends meet a lot of people that are paying mortgages are big rent are being crippled and they're finding it particularly hard because they're doing the best to keep a roof over their heads they're all working whereas they should be out working and have some money in their pockets to enjoy themselves or to be able to buy treats for the kids and and should have no problem a pair of runners or whatever their child needs but they do have a problem with all of that. And they, they, this is where the food poverty steps in then. You know, it's either heat or eat. You know, options aren't options anymore in a good way. They're, they're, it's by choice you now that a person has to decide whether it pays one bill or whether it pays two bills and what's going to suffer this week. So it's getting much harder for people. They're in survival mode at the minute, a lot of them. And that's distressing, very distressing. You and there will be parents who will go short to make sure that their parents, their kids get fed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so we have that. If if a parent comes here, they'd just ask you for stuff for the children, and we say, and and yourself, and they say, no, I do all right. I'd be grand. I don't eat very little, you know, a lot know, and stuff like. And they're ashamed of their lives, like, and we just say, no, no, we'll look after you too. And we'd always say, and I'd always say to them, you keep your strength up because. You're having a battle at the minute and you need your strength to, to get through it. 100%. And they, need, and they do. 
Yeah, yeah, because I, I know even last week we had a gentleman contact us, you know, he was talking about €150 Euro a week he's putting in in diesel yeah. just, just to get to work. And he said, you know, yeah. without all the other bills. And my big fear is, I mean, because people have to put food on the table and have to keep the light on with the electricity, my fear is that we're going to have people not paying mortgages. We're not going to have people paying rent. We have a housing yeah. crisis already. We're going to have people getting into, into mortgage arrears. And God, we don't want to go back to that day again. No, and we're on the back of a pandemic recovery. Yeah. No, we're, we're going through a recovery and people have suffered a huge amount during the pandemic between the loss of life, between the loss of jobs, the loss of homes, etc. And how kind of all of a sudden people went from doing okay to not doing okay. So we're going through that at the minute now with a cost of living crisis, which is crippling people. And uh, like... People, if somebody said it to me the other day, he said, I've made every sacrifice I can make. I've nothing left to sacrifice, no. Only myself. What, what, particularly with the summer months ahead, uh, Katrina, is there anything that the government could do now to help, even to get families over the summer months? Well, you know, um, somebody was on this morning saying they can't afford to send their children to summer camps like they used to every year. Like, the government will have to look and people that are on low incomes and people that are, are even on high incomes and they have to look at them. You know, they can't look at them all individually, but they really must look at something and they must find out where the hardships are lying. The, the people have been explaining it to people. They've been telling everybody. It's, it's out there. The government actually knows. And what they can do is come in and give people payments, give them something, to, to ride the storm, to get them through the storm. Because if at the end of a working week, a family has no income left over, no money in their pockets, there's something wrong. Yeah. And when we have thousands of families presenting now in the same position, the government has to take heed and it has to do something for them. And it doesn't matter. This has to be done. And it, it, it's... it's I keep saying it's their job. We all have our jobs to do, and that's their job. But what, what can they do about it? Well, first of all, they can look at it, and they can ask people to, to you know, to go forward, go to their community welfare offices, go someplace when they're really, really short and stuff. And like a person can't just walk in willy nilly. I know all that people would say, but like a person can go in and they can show what's happening to their income, where it's going, and then if they need help, they need help. It's a dig out for people and if they don't get that dig out they're going to go under, and, and, and in more fairness, I, I, on the yeah, I know the. I, I've, I've even heard the ads. They're running ads. The government are telling people about the community welfare officer, and and telling people go to the community welfare officer. Would you have many yeah. people? Is 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 that an easy process? No, it isn't an easy process. Nothing is an easy process. Even students that are applying for grants isn't an easy process. Nothing is an easy process, and that's something for another day for the government to look at. Yeah, you need to make it as easy as, yeah. Yes, an emergency look at what's causing all this worry and strife for people. Like that man paying 150 to go to work. Yeah. That's, uh, the hardship on him is untold, but but, but mentally as well. Mm. See, people are suffering and we have enough mental health issues in this country without them increasing as well on top of everything else. The pandemic increased them dramatically. They weren't dealt with before the pandemic. They weren't dealt with through the pandemic. If anything, they were discarded and left to, to one side. And now 
were in a cost of living crisis. So who's going to do anything now because the services that are there are totally stretched and that shouldn't be happening. Our frontline services should never, ever be in a place where they would have to say, we haven't enough staff, we haven't enough um, hospital beds, we haven't enough of equipment, we haven't enough of anything. It should all be there for them, for them to roll out a service because they're in the business of saving lives, whether they're firefighters, whether they're guardy, nurses, doctors, and we all know what they do when they're needed. We get them, and we need them. We like the army are suffering, the navy are suffering, everybody is suffering. So it cannot be disregarded anymore. So the time for the government to do something is no. It well needs doing. Well no. said. Well said. And by all accounts, societies of Vincent de Paul, who you, you probably would work closely with, they're inundated <laughs> as well. Inundated. Inundated. Yeah. And Simon Focus Ireland, the whole of yeah. them. Yeah. All yeah. the services are stretched to the limits and they meet all the demands that send them. Yeah, you're and all again, saying it. Where, where does the book stop? OK, we we'll, t- we'll talk again, Katrina, in the meantime. Thank, thank you for that Patricia. and stay safe. And uh, keep up thank the amazing you. work that you do at Cork uh, Penny Dinners. 0818-103-103. John Paul's taking your calls. We're going to take a break. You can text her WhatsApp, a question for Annalise. She's up next to 0862-103-103. Cork Today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. See this is the Court Today replay on C103. Annalise Drussell of the Health Hub Times Square in Ballancolig joining me on this Monday afternoon. Good afternoon, Annalise. Good afternoon. You're, you're sure. very welcome. Okay, let's get straight into uh, questions. First of all, somebody was on, I was talking about COVID and there's uh, the mask, while there isn't a mask mandate, people are being encouraged on public transport to wear masks. And the piece I mentioned mentioned long COVID. And a listener was wondering for long COVID, is it people who are unvaccinated or can vaccinated people also suffer from long COVID? Are you here? Hearing of people both vaccinated and unvaccinated? Oh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. So, sure, people, some people are getting, um, you know, some people are getting symptoms of long COVID after the vaccines because effectively the vaccine gives you a very mild dose of COVID, which is what stimulates your immune system to produce antibodies to protect you against COVID. So um, it doesn't make any difference. Now, I don't know what the statistics are, Patricia, but um, there's... I and. There's no, there's no statistics really at all available on this, but it's a very strange one because generally post-viral fatigue occurs in people who've had very bad viral infections. Whereas with COVID, some people are getting long COVID and they've had a very mild dose of COVID. Yeah, I've been hearing some, exactly the yeah, same thing. Some people are getting a very mild dose of COVID and they haven't been vaccinated. Some people are getting terrible COVID and they have been vaccinated. Yeah. Some people are getting COVID after their boosters and it's a terrible dose of it. And some people are feeling great after their boosters. So to be honest with you, I think across the board, all you can do is protect your immune system yourself. That's the key element of it. Whether you're vaccinated or not, if your immune system is protected, not only are you going to have a better fighting chance against COVID and getting it, but you're also going to have a better chance against any virus. And my own personal opinion is that while vaccines are a necessary part to protect are vulnerable. If you've had COVID, your immunity has to be better because natural immunity has to be better than a vaccine. 
Okay. All right. But anyone can get long COVID. I know there's still so much work, still so much unknowns about COVID and there's still so much work going on uh, with regards to it. Okay. Let me go into questions. This one is kind of topical at the moment. A listener says, could you please ask Annalise's advice about bronzing capsules, the so-called tanning pills, and are they safe? If so, what would she recommend? My daughter wants to take them. Now, I've seen a lot online about these tanning pills. Are you aware of them? Yeah, uh, absolutely, Patricia. And some of them are safe and some of them are not safe. And it's like everything else that you buy online. Unfortunately, you cannot trust the quality of things that are coming from places that do not have the same type of regulations that they do in the EU. And even in the EU, people can get around regulations by importing stuff from China and packaging it here in Ireland. So you have to be very, very careful. And that's why I, that's where the value is in a good health shop, because they will guide you down the right path. So we do have a tanning product here, um, a tanning uh, supplement. It is basically beta-carotene. Um, so it is kind of a natural form of vitamin A, and it is in a safe dose because some of them are unsafe um, in terms of the dosage. And what the beta-carotene can do is it can help prepare your skin for tanning so that you will get a better tan. Anything that makes you tanned from the inside out is actually going to affect your liver very, very badly. So avoid at all costs. And I think, um, oh, the other thing to mention about that beta-carotene, Patricia, as well, is I tried a couple of years ago experimentally on customers who suffered terribly from heat rash with beta-carotene before they would go on holidays, and it definitely decreased the incidence of heat rash for people who suffer from it in hot countries. So it does have some stabilizing effect on the skin. Um, so that beta-carotene, I think, is, is fine in a safe dose, and you'll get that in your normal health shop, but avoid the other ones online and just go for a tanning product. Put it on your skin instead of taking it in. Okay, yeah, just try to avoid, particularly any of those ones you would buy online. Karen says, hi, Annalise. What is the best thing to get rid of red marks? They're like red blotches on my arm. It was following a burn. Okay, so that is scar tissue. Dr. Claire does a lovely anti-scar cream um, that's really good. And actually, I've used that myself because I'm a shocker for burning myself. I burn myself at least once a week. Um, So I find that that is great, but I use it for healing as well as for preventing scarring. Um, If the scar is in place, I think something like a vitamin E oil can help, but you need to kind of massage it in to break down the scar tissue a a bit as well. And then sometimes if it's gone too long, so if your scar is like six months old, you're probably going to need to have some type of a skin lightening cream. Now, you can get bleaches um, that bleach the skin. They're not really safe, but a nice natural one. I know the Trilogy do a skin lightening. It's called actually it's called a brightening serum, and that can help. Um, um, reduce the appearance of scars and if it still doesn't go the last thing then is that you probably do need some kind of laser treatment to get rid of the pigmentation caused by the scar Yeah because that was from a burn I don't know if that's similar advice for a Mill Street listener who has a red mark on her hand it was caused by an injury on a hard surface Again that's just a scar so I'd definitely the Dr. Dealer's Claire scar cream is my go-to for myself when I burn or cut myself because um, I'm covered in scars. It would work for that. And could you give the name of a magnesium that is easy to absorb? So the one that we find works the best for people who have dodgy tummies is the magnesium biglycinate. It's spelled B-I-G-L-Y-C-I-N-A-T-E. 
Um, and that's also a lovely one before sleep because the glycine element of that is very good for the calming neurotransmitters as well that help you sleep. If you can't get your hands on that, the second best one is magnesium citrate, C-I-T-R-A-T-E, and that's generally very well tolerated as well. And actually Rose on magnesium as well says, is it better to take magnesium tablets or magnesium powder or does it matter? Um, I suppose it depends really, Patricia. Like, you know, some of the the, the tablets, um, especially if the cheaper ones, they're filled with filler and probably the quality of the magnesium in there isn't that good. So they tend to be poorly absorbed and more likely to cause stomach problems or a runny tummy. Um, I personally feel that the powder is always the best because it's very quickly assimilated. The body doesn't need to do much work to break it down. But if you're taking it, um, you know, if you're taking it for kind of daily use, an ordinary tablet or capsule will be fine because even if it is slowly released, it's going to benefit you throughout the day. But maybe at night time you might want the powder. Okay, hi Annalise. My daughter's B12 is under 100 because of that. She's now on injections for the next five weeks. What strength of B12 should she then be taking? So our favourite B12 um, in the shop here, and we have a lot of customers that take this, they come from the doctors for it. It is, um, there's, uh, it's a Soligar product and they are little tablets that you chew. Um, And the strength of the B12 in that is 1,000 micrograms. Um, But what's lovely about these is that they're actually sublingually absorbed, which means they're absorbed in the mouth, because a lot of people actually have difficulty absorbing B12 um, for a couple of different reasons. One reason is that you need something called intrinsic factor to absorb B12, and a strong stomach acid is essential for activating intrinsic factor. So if you're on a proton pump inhibitor like Nexium or anything like that, if you take a lot of Gavscon, you're going to be poor at absorbing B12. And then people who've got gluten intolerance or celiac disease will also have difficulty absorbing B12. So those ones, either the spray that you spray onto the side of the cheek or a tablet that dissolves in the mouth is the best way to go because you're bypassing all of those problems. Well done. And back to COVID, uh, Catherine in Kerry uh, says, has has Annalise heard of anybody whose hearing has been affected after COVID? Her hearing has gone, what she describes as very fuzzy. She's 49 and healthy otherwise her doctor has never heard of it before has Annalise heard of hearing being affected by COVID? No actually that's the first I've heard of that Patricia but a lot of people do get issues with their inner ear canal after various different viruses vertigo being one of them where the inner ear canals have become slightly inflamed now these are responsible for balance but if that's happening further up along the ear canal closer to the eardrum maybe there is some inflammation there and maybe that's what's causing the um the um, lack of hearing. I suppose the first thing to do is make sure that there's no wax as well. That could be another reason. A lot of the time, you know, those kind of secretions can be increased when you're sick. So either get your ears syringed by the doctor or use an ear candle to clear them out properly. Um, And then in terms of if it is an inflammation of the inner ear, natural anti-inflammatories like turmeric, boswellia, and rosemarinic acid from rosemary. They're all very, very good for inflammation of the inner ear. OK, and a Mill Street listener is on Source of Life Gold since early May following COVID. How long should I stay on it? Is the one big bottle enough of it, says the Mill Street listener? I think so, really. Yeah. It's sonic, Patricia. Now, I do know people who take it throughout a season, like a lot of teachers would take it throughout the whole um, school year because it keeps them from getting sick. But generally, I just recommend the Source of Life Gold as a tonic. So in this case, I'd certainly stop it for a while. If you feel the energy flagging again, 
you can always take another bottle of it then. Okay. All right. We'll leave it there. And uh, thank you for that. And we'll chat again next Monday. Thanks, Patricia. Thanks a million. That's Annalise Russell of the Health Hub Times Square in Balancolic. And she's got a website, healthhubstore.com, where she'll put up as heard on the radio. That will go up this afternoon. And John Paul will also put up her slot as a podcast. Now, we're not going to get to it now, but I'm wondering, is anybody else having problems trying to get tickets for Thurlis for next Saturday? Jim is trying to buy one ticket online and I know we've checked the tickets have gone online at the GAA Ticketmaster but the problem seems to be when you tried to purchase just one ticket I think it'll allow you to buy two but it doesn't seem to allow you to buy individual tickets has anybody else come across that what happens if you just want to go on your own if anybody has a solution please share it we'll pass it on to uh, Jim but uh, I leave it there for today my thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing Uh, Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon and we will be back with you tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock until then I'm Patricia Messenger a very good afternoon and look after yourselves Court today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group want great advice? you know who to talk to cmig.ie Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.